Broncos country. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. Touchdown Denver. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of Touchdown Denver, hosted by myself, George Stoya of the Denver Gazette, alongside my good friend, former Broncos safety, Nick Ferguson. And Nick, man, do we have a lot to talk about in our first ever episode. Yeah, man, a lot, a lot to talk about. Uh, that Monday night game did not turn out like any of us uh, figured that it would. And it's raised a lot of questions here in Broncos country as to what is going on. So much so that you you know that you've become really popular in pop culture, either good or bad, when they start making gifs and memes about you. And based on what happened in the game uh, on, on Monday night, uh, Coach Hackett uh, has a, a, a gif kind of floated out there. And it's like, uh, Nathaniel can't hack it. And I'm like, wait a minute, man. We, we shouldn't go that far to say that. But, yeah, there's a lot that uh, we need to talk about as far as that game on Monday night. Nick, let's just jump into it. Obviously, the, the big topic is kicking the 64-yard field goal. And, I mean, I know everyone watched the game, but the Broncos, you know, had the ball. I think it was maybe three minutes left, down one. They drive it down to the 46-yard line of Seattle. They don't use any of their timeouts, which has obviously been controversial of how Nathaniel Hackett did that. They let it run down and they try a 64 yarder for Brandon McManus to win the game. Uh, and there was a lot of people confused fourth and five. Why not let Russell Wilson, who at that point was playing really well. I mean, he was on point. They were moving the ball throughout the game. Yeah. They didn't capitalize in the red zone. And we're going to dive in to some of those issues later, but Nick, what did you think of the decision to go for it or not to go for it on, on fourth and five. And obviously Nathaniel Hackett said after the game uh, that he, you know, that the reason for it was, hey, we weren't moving the ball in chunks. Uh, we knew that we wanted to get it to the 46-yard line at the left hash, uh, and that's what they did, and, and that's why they kicked it. And then, obviously, on Tuesday, he kind of backtracked and said we should have gone for it. Nick, what was your thought process? Take me into that moment for you, and what was your reaction on the decision to kick the field goal? Well, George, to sum it up, I was more like, come on, man, what are we doing? Because <laughs> – Listen, it's fourth and five, and, and I know uh, traditionally when you look at the offensive side of the ball, they tell you fourth and five. To me, that's like fourth and 20. Uh, fourth and one, obviously, it just seems like you can pick that up. And I know Coach Hackett is one of those new guys why he's, lo he's looking at the analytics or whatever, but I'm like, look, you have Russell Wilson. You gave up so much draft capital to pick him up. You got to allow him to attempt that fourth and five. And I know the idea is the distance seems really long, but when you look at how the tight ends were utilized earlier in the game, to me, you can pick up that particular play. And Russell, you wanted to see a little of that Russell magic. How great would it have been? On the road, hostile environment, he picks up the fourth and five to silence the crowd. That is one of those moves that I know Russell was hoping for. But McManus got the opportunity to kick the field goal and for me, I, I, once again, I was still disappointed. And another reason I was disappointed, George, was because the usage of the timeouts. If you knew you were going to kick a field goal, you know what? Go ahead, call a timeout a little earlier in, in the process, and then maybe save some time. Maybe he was thinking, okay, well, McManus makes the field goal. We take time off the clock, and then that way we ensure that Geno cannot move the ball down the field to put them 
and a good position to kick a game-winning field goal. But I'm like, no, man. Your defense played well in the second half. The offense showed that they were playing well with the exception of a couple of those red zone trips, and we'll get to that. But to me, you got to give Russell an opportunity to make that fourth and five play and kick uh, a game-winning field goal, not from 63, but from a closer distance. Yeah, well, and listen, they traded for Russell Wilson in March for that exact moment, right? That's why they went out and got Russell Wilson. That's why they're paying him. 240 something million dollars right and so that's what was head scratching to me is like yeah. i thought it was obvious to go for it in that situation get it a little bit closer and let's not forget i mean i think it's two of 29 kickers or, or kickers are two of 29 since 2000 on 64 yards or yes. right the longest field goal in lumen field history is 56 yards so the thought process of saying well we think brandon mcmahon is has the leg for it. And he did. I mean, you look at the kick, he had the leg for it, but it was just confusing to see. And, and I even asked post game, you know, I asked Coach Hackett, uh, you know, they, they trotted McManus out there and he kicked it and Seattle called a timeout and he missed. It wasn't even close on the first try. I said, well, were you maybe reconsidering? Did you think, you know, have a second thought about maybe going for it there, uh, you know, on the fourth and five? And he said, no, we, we fully trusted brandon to to kick it and make it and and you know brandon mcmanus said after the game that he told him before the drive 46 yard line left hash and so i think that that's part of you know having a rookie head coach right is is having a plan and he stuck to it uh and we have the audio here of him explaining the decision uh to why he kicked it so uh, we're going to play that and let you guys hear from coach hackett himself about why he decided to kick the field goal yeah, you know, looking back at it, we definitely should have gone for it. Um, just not, not, you know, one of those things. You look back at it and you say, of course we should go for it. We missed the field goal. Um, but in that situation, we had a plan. I mean, we had a plan. We knew that the 46 was the mark. Uh, we were third and 15, I think, third and 13. I'm more upset about that play before it to lose yards, to be able to, you know, Getting that there would have definitely uh, been better to be able to call that same play and get extra yards. But um, he dumps it out to Javante. Javante makes a move, goes a lot farther than I think we had anticipated. We were expecting to go for it on fourth down. And then you hit the mark, you know, the mark that we had all set before we started. We said uh, 46 yards, 46 yard line was where we wanted to be. And uh, we got there. So we had to make the decision if we wanted to give it to, uh, you know, Brandon. And we did. And it didn't work. It sucks. But hey, that's part of it. Well, I'll tell you this, George. You know, I'm not a, as upset with Coach Hackett as most people are. And, you know, you can blame him and say, well, you know, he's a first-time play caller, head coach in the NFL. And that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. You know, you make a decision that goes well. Like Brian Dable, he went for a two-point conversion, and the Giants ended up winning. And in this case, that Coach Hackett decided to give and trust in Brandon McManus, who said, left hash, I can make that kick. So as a former coach, I'll tell you this way. You, you want to believe in your players, but obviously hindsight being 2020, having another day to look over the film and say, well, we should have gone for it. For me, to me, you, you did so much to get Russell Wilson. Give him an opportunity to pick up that four and five play. And, and there are not too many plays, George, in your offensive playbook that allows you to have those types of plays. But based on how efficient – uh, Russell in offense was executed in the second half. I, I really believe in them. Now, they struggled in the red zone, but they were great out in the field. So, yeah, they could have picked up that fourth, 
fourth and uh, five, get picked up a couple more extra yards, giving McManus a better opportunity to kick a field goal. But this is a learning curve. Everyone is learning. You look at the first week of uh, NFL football, there was a lot of kind of strange things that happened that I'm sure every single coach can look back and say, well, we wish that we did differently. But the great thing about this, George, there's still 16 more games. You learn from this. You move along. If this was like week 16 or 17, yeah, I'm knocking down everything. I'm turning over tables, but that's not where we are right now. So I don't understand why so many Broncos fans are in a panic. Yeah, and I think that, like, obviously this is going to be stuck in Broncos fans' mind of Nathaniel Hackett for a while. But And maybe I'm, I'm too optimistic about this, but yeah. wouldn't you rather have this happen in game one of season one with Nathaniel Hackett than – Really what we saw with recent coaches, I mean, Vic Fangio, uh, you know, often mismanaged the clock or, um, you know, had, you know, odd challenges and just weird coaching decisions right throughout his three years. It seemed like it didn't get better. Whereas maybe the hope now is Hackett now understands, okay, I made a mistake on how I used my timeouts. I made a mistake on just not letting Russell Wilson have the football at the end of the game. And he learns from that. And Honestly, throughout the game, I thought Nathaniel Hackett called a really good game. I mean, this is the first time in a long time that we've seen the offense move the ball that the way they did. And yes, that's a credit to Russell Wilson and Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton and Javante Williams and all those guys. But some of the play calls, I mean, they're they're wide open, right? So I, I think that he had a good game plan coming in. I think he got uh, maybe a little anxious at the end. I think he had a plan, like he said. He stuck with it because he is a rookie head coach and he didn't maybe think on the fly there. And, and, you know, also like, I'm not saying this is on Russell Wilson, but if Russell Wilson really wanted to go for it on fourth and five, I fully believe they would have gone for it on fourth and five. I think Russell Wilson also bought into the plan. I mean, I know he talked a little bit about a post game too, but I think he was fully on board with, Hey, you know, Nathaniel Hackett said, we're going to kick it. So we're going to kick it. Like if, if Russell Wilson wanted to call a timeout there, he could have called a timeout, gone to the sideline, and pitched why they should go for it on fourth and five from the 46. So that's kind of my takeaway too, is like, as much as this is on Nathaniel Hackett, I think Russell Wilson has as much say as he wants to, wants to in this offense and what they're doing. Don't you agree, Nick? Well, you bring up a very interesting point that I don't think uh, has been you know talked about uh, the way that it should, because if you are a top rated quarterback, most guys want the ball in the hand. It is what I liken it to. Like, if you are Nikola Jokic and you're playing for the Denver Nuggets and you know the clock is winding down, you're not going to defer to anyone else on the court. You want to take that game-winning shot. So that 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 kind of makes me, I don't want to say concerned, but I was wondering what that conversation was like between, you know, McManus and Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson. Because if you ask any member of the Broncos, uh, Broncos country, and they, they've kind of let their uh, thoughts be known on social media, as everyone does, that, hey, they want that the ball to be in the hand of n- not, you know, your, your kicker and Brandon McManus. They want that ball to be in the hand of Russell Wilson. So, you know, once, once again, we don't know exactly what went into that conversation. I would love to have been a fly on the wall, but I'm sure this is a situation that Russell's learning from too. I know he, he uh, prides himself as being a team player. And I tell people this all the time. Sometimes in life, you have to be a little selfish. And that was one of those moments that I would have loved to see Russell become a little selfish and say, hey, listen, put the ball in my hand. This crowd has been on me the entire game. Give me that moment. If we win, hey, well, you know what? I made a great play. If we lose, hey, they can give me all the criticism. 
But in that particular moment, I, I don't know what went into Coach Hackett's mind and giving McManus and, or or trusting McManus. And, and listen, I, George, I'm not trying to throw shade on, on Brandon. He's a great player. But knowing as though statistically, like you stated, there are not too many kickers that have been that successful in Seattle kicking the ball. So give it to Russell and let him work. Let me ask you this, Nick, and then, you know, we'll go to break here soon and, and we'll dive into, you know, other parts of the game that honestly I think is the reason why they lost. Like we can debate the kick, not kick, I, yeah. I think, you know, the fumbles early in the game, all that stuff. But, Nick, let me ask you this. Let's say you were Coach Hackett in that position. I think you would have gone for it. I think we both agree that. What's your play call? Where are you going? Who are you throwing the ball to in that situation? I'm throwing it to my tight end. I mean, all, all, all game long, the tight ends on both sides – were successful finding the soft spots in the zone. I mean, they now here's where you had to be careful because fourth and five, that's not a down where they're thinking you're going to run the ball. So what I'm going to try to do, get in a formation where I spread the field. I run Judy. I ran run Cortland Sutton. I even maybe bring in Albert Okawebunam and have two tight ends and have them push the field vertically to push the defense down and back rather and then have someone sit down at six yards because – We've seen this play before. Kansas City runs it all the time. Travis Kelsey runs up five or six yards, turn around, flashes his numbers in his hands, and you put it center mass. To me, you run that type of play because Seattle is not going to think that you're going to run a play-action play because who runs the ball on fourth and five? Right. I mean, I'm going to the man, the myth, the legend, Andrew Beck, uh, who had, I think, (laughs) the best game for the Broncos on on Monday night. Uh, But, no, I think you're right. I think the tight end uh, in some sort of play, maybe you – you know, you swing it out to Javante, you know, worst case scenario, he tries to make a man miss, which we saw a lot of, uh, obviously, on Monday night. And I know we'll get into maybe a little bit of that running back battle, too, between him and Melvin. But and, and you also have Russell, who, you know, he, he can he can move with his legs. I, we didn't see it a ton on Monday night, but let, he's going to make things happen on that play. So, again, it's just it was an odd decision. Uh, I think Nathaniel Hackett will learn from it. I think that Russell Wilson, like you said, will also learn from it. Uh, but let's dive in after the break here, Nick, uh, into more of the game and, and, and not just uh, the final decision there from Daniel Hackett. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, guys, we're back from the break. Nick, we broke down the final decision. Uh, I think that's enough talk for us about that. Uh, I think we've, we've talked enough about the field goal. I'm sure it's going to be talked about for a long time. Um, but let's dive into some of the other specifics of the game. Let's let's first start with what, what were your impressions of just the offense, the way they moved the ball, and then also just how bad they were in the red zone. I think it was 0 for 4 in the red zone, 0 for 3 in goal-to-goal situations, obviously the two fumbles from Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams, both inside the five-yard line. I think Melvin's was right on the goal line, Javante in the backfield there. But what were just your overall impressions of the offense? Well, I'll go overall game. Overall game, I feel as though uh, the offense moved with efficiency. Uh, You know, only two sacks in the game, and you feel as though there would have been more sacks uh, if this offensive line uh, wasn't jailing and, and don't get me wrong. They're not exactly where they need to be at this particular time, but to only give up two sacks to me, I think uh, I get a tip of the cap for those guys because usually in a loud environment like that, I'm not even talking about hostile, just the volume of the screams and the yells and the bulls. 
it makes it really difficult. I mean, we saw that a little early on with a couple of uh, false starts. And there was one on Garrett Bowles. And, and I can understand that because you can't really hear. You're trying to be aggressive on the run play and climb to the second level. And he just jumped uh, a, a little bit. Now, the one on Cortland Sutton where he started to move, to me, once again, all these things are go back to discipline. Can you remain focused? I know it was loud. We could use it as excuse or justification, but they definitely need to improve on that front. And I'll tell you this, George. I mean, I was hearing it from a lot of Broncos fans, and we, we also heard it on the telecast from um, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman when they're saying, well, the delay of games and all the penalties were a precursor to not playing in the preseason. I'm like, no, it's not. If you're in an environment when you can't hear, it's going to make it difficult to get the call in from the sideline to Russell Wilson with the green dot on his head. And that was the problem trying to fight against the crowd noise. And it just seemed as though they started to settle down and got someone in the rhythm, but it was just, man, that bugaboo for them was the red zone. Yeah. And, you know, you, you mentioned the noise talking to uh, Graham Glasgow and, and Lloyd Cushenberry after the game, you know, they talked about that Javante fumble was actually a miscommunication at the line. It was originally a pass play there on third and goal at the one. Russell checked the play to a, a run play, and half the line didn't hear the check. And that obviously ended up with Graham Glasgow on the backfield and, and obviously Javante fumbles. So the crowd definitely had an effect. I think it's funny. We often say, well, you know, home, there's no such thing as home field advantage, and analytics say that, and the crowd doesn't matter. It definitely mattered on Monday night. And I've been to some loud stadiums. That's the loudest. I've ever heard uh, an NFL stadium. And I think it played a huge factor. I mean, you saw the delay of games. That was because they couldn't hear the play call in the huddle and they were, they were, you know, having to say it multiple times. So I think that that played a huge factor, but I, I did think the offensive line played relatively well. I think I saw pro football focus put out that they had them ranked as the second best offensive line of week one. I mean, they were able to run the ball. They, they protected Russell Wilson for the most part. Uh, they let him deliver, and and I think that they they played well. Now, what's it look like when Graham Glasgow comes in these next few weeks with with Quinn Miners being out at right guard? Who knows? Does Cam Fleming take over that right tackle spot uh, with Billy Turner still out? You know, does Billy Turner come back? Does he help the offensive line? So we'll see. I think you're going to see some shuffling, but I expect them to only get better up front. Uh, you know, considering that they're not going to be playing in a place like Seattle the rest of the season. Uh, so I, I think that maybe maybe Arrowhead, right? I guess you've played there, Nick, but I, yeah. I would say Arrowhead's going to be the most similar to it. But I expect them to only get better. What were what were your thoughts on Russell Wilson, though? I mean, I, I feel like he played. I know he only had one touchdown, uh, but I think he was 29 of 42, 340 yards, one touchdown. It looked like he was he was really sharp. I know he had some missed throws. He had the one to Jerry Judy for the touchdown. But uh, what did you just think of Russell Wilson? I thought he played well overall. Obviously, you know, there were some passes that he he left out there. He threw to the back of the end zone one time looking for Court and Sutton. There were two individuals that, that were open, Melvin Gordon in the middle of the field, and then it was a tight end. I can't remember who it was. It might have been back to uh, the right, right in front of Court and Sutton. So I'm not going to harp on that too much and kind of beat him up. But I thought, you know, knowing the situation, knowing it's been built as a revenge game, you're going back to Seattle. I thought he handled the pressure well. And even when McManus, you know, missed the field goal, usually when you see a quarterback or uh, the camera pans to someone on the sideline, there's always a look on the face of disgust. And Ross just, I mean, 
you call it deadpan, you call it whatever you want to. He just kind of clapped his hands as though he understood what the situation is. But that speaks volumes to who he is as a player. I, I know he wanted to go out there. He wanted to win that game. And one thing I was happy about, George, Russell didn't press, right? I, I didn't. I don't think that he was pressing in, in, in the game, trying to make throws that were not there. I, I would have liked personally to see some of those routes be shorter intermediate routes because it just seemed at, at times that those routes were too deep, which puts a lot of pressure on the Broncos' offensive line. But we, we have very talented wide receivers. Let's run some of those short crossing routes that we see a lot in the NFL and try to get those guys more involved. But I want to go back to something that you said when you were talking about inside the red zone on that fumble by Javante Williams. I know when I first watched it, I looked at it and I said, well, uh, Graham Glasgow is looking back. He must be confused. And I know it was really loud, especially in that end of the red zone. But here was the thing for me. Go back and watch it. If he's saying, okay, well, originally it was a pass play that was called and Russell checked it to a run, usually on the run, the offensive line is now, he's now being the, the, the guy that's setting the tempo and he's firing out. But when you look at Glasgow, even if it was a pass that was originally called, Look at his angle to the way that he blocked. I mean, he was trying to come cross the body of the defender because if that was a pass play and he was confused, he didn't really get into his normal kick shuffle. So that's why I was like, wait, wait a minute. If you were confused and you can't hear the play and you think it's a pass play, the first thing you should do is block the guy in front of you. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, I've never been in that situation as an offensive lineman, but George, I'm thinking like, well, block the guy in front of you. And if you do, you engage with him and at least you give Javante, just a, a moment, just a glimmer of hope. I mean, am I wrong in that? No, no, you're you're exactly right. And I thought it was interesting. Hackett said, I think it was after the game or, or the other day, that they should have had just one play call and that he shouldn't have given them the option to check the play call because it was so loud. And that's, again, where I think you could maybe say that Hackett mismanaged the game at times. I mean, it, if, if it's so loud down there and you know that you need to score a touchdown – and the last time you were down there, you also fumbled. Maybe you call a timeout there before third and goal at the one and say, okay, this is exactly what we're doing. And if we check, we know it's going to be this one other play. So right. I, I think that that's, again, you know, we can blame Graham Glasgow for not hearing the call or, or not making a block, or we can blame Javante for not, for, you know, for fumbling the ball, even if, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't, you know, expecting there to be guys back there like there were. Uh, but again, I think it somewhat falls on Hackett, but I did want to ask you, Nick, about the Melvin Gordon fumble, because that one, I think, wasn't as big of a surprise. I mean, he's trying to make a play. He's reaching for the goal line. But also, Melvin's had some fumble issues in the past. George, George don't you do that. Don't you do that, George. I he, know exactly where you're going, right? He, it is. He's had some fumble problems. Has he not? He, he, he has. And that was the thing. The moment he fumbled, the first thing I was thinking, like, people are going to kill him in the media and saying, look, Here's Melvin Gordon fumbling again. Why is he in there in a critical situation? But the way that I look at it from this standpoint, I mean, here's a guy who was hit by the linebacker. The safety came in and punched the ball out because this is what you worry about if you are a running back coach. A running back fighting for those extra yards out in the field or in the red zone. We've seen it before, George. Guys trying to extend the ball out to break the plane of the end zone, and then somehow it gets knocked out. They don't, they're not able to secure it. So I understand what Melvin was thinking about what he was trying to do, 
but he's getting a, he's getting more criticism than he deserves because he has a history of fumbling. I I know I get that. I, I get that, but I'm just one that's like, man, Javante Williams to me is just the better running back at this point. And I and he's also the bigger running back. And I would just give him the ball at the goal line. Now I said that, you know, during the game and was one of those, you know, typical people that was like, well, why didn't they give it to Javante? And then the next time they get down there, they give it to Javante. So, you know, maybe it's maybe Mike Boone is the answer next time, right? Um, but I, I do think that it was a, it was an interesting situation, and I, you know, that one I don't really blame Melvin for because, like you said, he's trying to make a play, um, you know. And I thought he had maybe scored on the previous play when he caught it on third down and, and tried to reach over the goal line. It, yeah. And uh, but but did you like the play calling though down there in the red zone? It, it, not just that that one, but you know, we go to. Uh, the one, you know, I think it was in the fourth quarter where Cortland Sutton, you know, jumps off or has a false start, uh, I think, from the two or three yard line. It looked like Andrew Beck was easily going to score. I thought that was yeah. a great play call. But what did you think of the play calling, you know, in the red zone and in the goal to go? Was was it they just weren't executing? Uh, you know, did they just have some unlucky breaks with the fumbles? What did you think uh, could they have done better in the play calling down there? Well, I'm going to call it execution because hindsight is always 20-20. You look at it and say you had those two penalty, those two fumbles and you had the penalty with Cortland Sutton. Well, maybe the play calling should have been a lot better. If 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 you have both of those guys, the running backs, don't fumble, we're not having this conversation. There's no false start by Cortland Sutton. We're not having a, this conversation on the Broncos. That's kind of like 21 points that they left out there. Now we're talking about the game as being a blowout, but because – Everyone remembers what things were like under Vic Fangio, poor clock management, not being effective on third down in the red zone. It's just kind of a culmination of all of that just kind of coming back. And now you can look at Hackett and say, well, you are a first-year head coach. It's all your fault, and you need to get better. Yeah, he understands he needs to get better. But I wasn't really upset with you know the play calling. And once again, we can nitpick here and say, well, they should have done this, they should have done that. But for me, being a defensive player, knowing how difficult it is for us to defend in the red zone, the one thing that you know hurts you the most are those quick-hitting plays, the, the plays that are in the back of the end zone, the back shoulder fades, or releasing a running back into the backfield. Those are the ones that are really difficult uh, to stop. And, I, look, the Broncos are going to make sure they give the red zone a lot of uh, attention. But there are a lot of teams in the NFL, and this may sound like a justification, that struggle inside the red zone. So I have no – I'm not frustrated. And I know that the Broncos are going to fix that part of their game. But for, for me, they, they did a good job. It's just all about execution. Yeah, I mean, I think my only, my only complaint in the red zone is I'm a big QB sneak guy. If you need one yard, just run a QB sneak. And I thought that's what they should have done there on the fourth and goal. Uh, yeah. They were right on the inch line. And, and Russell is, is a you know, I, I know he's not a very tall guy, but he's a bigger guy. I think he could get into the end zone or find a way into the end zone. And I, I don't like when, and again, I get it, you know, there's certain plays, but going shotgun when you need one yard, I'm just like, yeah. doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And again, I'm not uh, an offensive play caller or an expert uh, like Nathaniel Hackett. But other than that, I mean, I thought they really had some nice play calls down there. Uh, they just didn't execute, like you said. And I don't know if that's on Nathaniel Hackett or, or Russell Wilson or the receivers not getting open or, or whatever it may be. Or how about the tight ends? 
you know, they had several opportunities down there and just didn't make the plays. I think of the one to Saubert in the back of the end zone. Um, you know, I think Eric Tomlinson almost had one where he, you know, if his foot's just one inch um, the other way, he, he gets two feet in and they score a touchdown. So, uh, you know, I think it's small things that they, it's all fixable, right? Nick, everything that happened to the Broncos is fixable. Uh, one last thing I want to ask you about, Nick, about the offense, and we can jump into some defense after a quick break. What do you think of the wide receivers, especially Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton? There's been a lot of talk about them. They needed to step up this season. Jerry Judy obviously has a long touchdown pass. Cortland Sutton had some big third down pickups. What did you think of just the wide receiver group in general? I think those guys did a, a quality job with uh, everything being con considered. Uh, I can't say there was kind of a lot of opportunities for uh, both guys, but when the ball was thrown to them, I thought they did a good job of getting yards after the catch. And, and just look at it like this, George. It's only week one. Things are going to get better with this group. And the chemistry is there. For me, I, I see it in practice. You and I see it every day. For those who are not there, the chemistry is, is there. The only thing for me that I have a problem with is those deep routes. Do some short, some short intermediate routes, some crossers, because we're looking at run after catch. And that's the thing that made Geno – so efficient in the game and just kind of made everyone go like, oh, wow, Gino is this great quarterback. No, it was just a short dink and dunk passes that he was efficient at. Right. And I think the only thing that I would say about the wide receiver group is, you know, I thought Jerry played great. Uh, he looked like he did last year in, in game one against the Giants, right, where he was having a great game before he got injured. Mm -hmm. So I think he could have a big season. Cortland Sutton didn't find the end zone, but I think that him and Russell found some good chemistry. The one guy I'm, I'm maybe a little bit worried about is K.J. Hamler. He had only one target, uh, and I know that he's obviously kind of working still to get back to, to 100%, but I want to see more of him. I want to see the moon ball to K.J. Hamler that you know everybody's been talking about and those sorts of things. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the offense moves forward. But let's take a quick break, Nick, uh, and then we'll hop into some defensive football. Let's ride with Touchdown Denver. Touchdown Denver. Hosted by Nick Ferguson and George Stoya. All right, we're back from break. Nick, your specialty. Let's jump in to some defense. I know that maybe you were a little bit worried about uh, the way they performed in the first half. Maybe some communication problems, some tackling issues, especially in the run game. Uh, we, we just dived into the offense. What, what were maybe your concerns, uh, your thoughts, good things, whatever, whatever you want to dive into with the defense. I know this is, this is your expertise. <laughs> well, you know, for, for me, George, uh, one of the concerns going in was the guy with the green dot. And, you know, and usually the Mike linebacker has that green dot and Josie Jewell didn't play. And it was like, okay, well, how is that going to affect the Broncos defense? And some of it, a little bit showed up and, when you have your, your middle linebackers been there all training camp, he can get guys lined up. There's a certain level of trust that the coaching staff have in him. And I'm not trying to say that Alex Singleton, you know, can't be that guy, but there were a couple of plays that he left out there. He, he had one uh, sensational play where he blitzed. He ran the, the homer over the running back for the Seattle Seahawks. And right there staying in front of him was Geno Smith. He missed the tackle. Geno was able to step up fine. Uh, the the tight end, I think it was Will Disley for the first touchdown. You go back and look at that, and you say, well, that that hurt them just a little. You look at Jonas Griffin, who hadn't played in a while with that elbow injury, and I didn't think he was going to play in this game. There was, I think, uh, what was it, Kobe or something, the tight end that caught the second touchdown. Yeah. 
And once again, the, the defense made Gino look better than what he really is. And it was just, just small little breakdowns because on that play that Jonas Griffin w- was in coverage, you can tell right away it was man coverage. And the fatal flaw that he made, and we talk about it all the time, see it thrown, see it caught. And he's, he was watching Gino the entire time while the tight end is running upfield. If he goes ahead and closes that gap, he does one thing, he makes that throw a little uh, higher so Kareem Jackson can get over in time. But you know what? These are subtle things that can be uh, be fixed. And I know Kareem Jackson, you know, he caused a little controversy when he was asked by Rod Mackey, hey, do you think not, you know, not playing in the preseason was an issue as to why communication wasn't what it needs to be? And he answered, and this is me paraphrasing, kind of, yeah, he would have liked to have played in the preseason. But when I think about what the communication was, it has to do with everyone on defense, especially the linebackers and the nickels and the safeties, understanding who was doing what. And for a couple of plays, you saw Rashad Penny gash the Broncos in the run game. And it was basically because guys were not in the right hole. Case in point, Rashad Penny rips off a play to the right side. And it's just like, well, how did that happen? Justin Simmons is expecting Alex Singleton to be inside the wide receiver, but he took too long to read the play. So Simmons tried to replace him. So now you had two guys inside of the wide receiver and all the wide receiver had to do is stand there. And then boom, I mean, Rashad Penny was into the secondary and Kareem Jackson had to make a tackle. So these are little subtle things. It is not just to say that, Hey, it was because of the preseason that they were not able to do it. These are things that are all fixable. When I look at it, for, for you, here's another thing that came up, tackling. When you watched the game, did you think that that was a huge problem and that was a byproduct of not playing in a preseason? I mean, I, I thought it was definitely a problem in the first half. I mean, look, the defense was totally different first half versus second half, right? I mean, the second half defense was the defense that I think all of us anticipated this season in terms of you know, Bradley Chubb was getting after the quarterback. Geno Smith, I think, only had 15 passing yards. In, in the second half, I mean, he looked like the normal Geno Smith and not Tom Brady like he did in, in the first half, right? right. Uh, but I did think that the tackling was somewhat of an issue. And, you know, coming into the season, Nick, the big question was, can the Broncos stop the run? And I think that's still going to continue to be an issue moving forward. Now, I think they need Josie Jewell back because while Josie Jewell isn't the best middle linebacker in football, like you said, he is the guy with the green dot. He is the one calling the defense. And he is a pretty solid tackler. Like he's not a guy that's that, that's missing a lot of tackles. I think we saw Alex Singleton and Jonas Griffith both miss some tackles. And you need your linebackers to be your best tacklers, right? So I, I do think that that was an issue. And I don't know if it's a, pre, a result of the preseason. I think that's all overplayed. Uh, maybe it was because we did see them play a lot better in the second half. And they kind of got that out of their system in the first half. But I'm not one that's going to sit there and be like, well, they didn't play well because they didn't play in the preseason. I, I just don't buy into that. Uh, and I, again, I never played in the NFL, so maybe you can speak to that <laughs> better. Uh, but I just think that when you have a guy like Jonas Griffith go down on the second play of the first preseason game, it's probably not worth the risk, right? Because then all of a sudden, maybe you're losing a couple guys in the preseason that don't get to play in that game that they already had out. So I, I just don't I don't buy into that. But I thought the defense as, as a whole – uh, played really, you know, kind of poorly in the first half. They gave up too many big plays. They let Geno Smith kind of pick them apart. Um, you know, I didn't think they had a great pass rush at times. And then finally in the second half, we saw some of those guys 
that they've been relying on to make plays. Randy Gregory comes up with the big fumble, uh, you know, strip. You have Bradley Chubb with two sacks in the second half. The secondary was much better. And and Nick, I want to get your thoughts on Pastor Tan because that kid, I mean, he looks like he's been playing in the league for 10 years. And he, I mean, he shut down DK Metcalf. And DK Metcalf made some nice plays. He made some really tough catches at times. Uh, but he, I mean, Pastor Tan hung with him the entire game. What were your impressions of him? I also want to know, what do you think of the secondary as a whole, especially in that second half? Well, I also Pastor Tan. I thought he played well. And I know uh, when you play against a guy like DK Metcalf, we've seen him play and face up against uh, guys like Darius Slay and Jalen Ramsey. And he always wants to be really physical with those guys to try to get them out of rhythm and just kind of make it into a head game. But I felt the young guy did a great job in his second year covering probably one of the better wide receivers uh, in the NFL. And there was a play in the middle of the field. DK Metcalf caught like a 12-yard curl, and he just kind of got up and he was looking at PSU. But uh, PSU had great coverage. It, it was it was great coverage, off coverage, and he almost uh, got the pass breakup. But for the most part, I mean, that guy has uh, been amazing. I've said it from the very beginning. I will continue to say this. He reminds me of my former teammate, Champ Bailey, the way that he approached the game and uh, he competes. So that's one of the bright spots that, you know, uh, don't really get a lot of kind of uh, shine because of the Broncos lost the game. But uh, overall, I thought the defense uh, played well. Obviously, you know, understanding run fits, being where you need to be, communicating, that was somewhat of a little problem. But I still think that that is something that they can uh, fix up. And when I think about Ronald Darby, I mean, that strip when Penny had that that big run, I mean, that's great. That tells you what this defense is capable of. So I'm not going to look at this first game or this first the first game and say, well, this team is not going to be a playoff team. I'm, I'm not looking at them being a Super Bowl team. They could shock me and I'll change my mind. All I got them is being a, a playoff team, George. And, and here's one of those things that uh, I don't think everyone is, is talking about, but I think we should. When we look at the lack of play in preseason – I would say Randy Gregory did a great job, right? He came out, he didn't have a lot of reps with the defense, but he came out, created a lot of pressure. It was really disruptive in that backfield. And now he got that strip on DK Metcalf. Once again, you know, it doesn't look great. It's the first game of the season, but I I still have belief in this defense and this team as a whole that they can be a playoff caliber team this year. Yeah, and, you know, one thing that they definitely need to clean up I think on both sides, but especially on defense is the penalties, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that the the Seahawks had 19 first downs. Uh, I think seven of those came on penalties. So you're talking about, you know, the Jonathan Cooper taunting penalty. That I, yeah. I don't like that call, right? Like I don't agree with that call, but he's got to know better in that situation, right? You've got, I think it was an illegal contact hit by Randy Gregory, unnecessary roughness by Kareem Jackson. I think Ronald Darby had a PI in the game. Yeah. So, those are things that the defense can clean up. And, you know, Randy Gregory talked about it in the locker room after the game. He said, we should have known better coming in that the NFL, they like to throw a lot of flags early in the season to kind of set the tone, to let you know how they're going to call certain things. And while he disagrees with a lot of the calls they had, they've got to know better and they've got to learn from that. Bradley Chubb said the same thing. He said, you know, as a captain on the team, we've got to clean those things up. And that's something we can work on in practice. That's something that we can be you know, uh, more thoughtful of during games. And so I, I think that that's where, you know, we can talk about a lot of the, the play calling, the decide to kick for it, the fumbles and all those things. Penalties are, are in, my, in my opinion, the number one thing that they can take care of this week, right? That's something that you can avoid 
uh, going through the rest of the season. I think you're right, Nick. This is this is a team. You know, I, I walked away. I, look, it's a disappointing loss, right? Right. It felt like, and you say this often when you're the you're the losing team. Well, the better team lost. I think everybody agrees the better team lost on yeah, Monday, sure. in my <laughs> opinion, right? Uh, I mean, it, they moved the ball up and down the field on the Seahawks. They got the stops they needed in the second half. Uh, I, I think that this team is, is super talented. They just couldn't get out of their own way in the first game. And I think that, again, I said it earlier, all the mistakes they had are very fixable mistakes. And I think that you get a team like the Texans in here this week, and I know we'll talk about the Texans on a different podcast leading up to the game, but I think that this is a really good opportunity for them to, to bounce back. And we've seen teams in the past, Nick, recently here, let a, a performance like this maybe snowball uh, and let it affect them throughout the season or over the course of the next few games. I just don't get that sense from this team. I think that they're going to move on and they understand that, you know, that Monday's game, uh, yeah, they had some mistakes, but I think that they know that they can play much better and at a better and a higher level. Yeah, there's no such things as a, a good loss. And when I, I look at it, I don't look at it as a loss. I look at it as a, a learning opportunity uh, for the team. Everything that you said is, is spot on. And, and this is why I'm still high on this team and, and their ability. Uh, even with the way the first half went, and I look at that first half as being the first preseason game for the Denver Broncos on both sides of the ball, the coaches went in at halftime, they made the necessary adjustments, right? And they moved the ball up and down the field, but it was only the red zone that they faltered and they were not able to score. When we look at the defense, I mean, they were giving up big runs and chunk plays in the first half. In the second half, it was an entirely different ball game. Uh, Gino wasn't late, uh, allowed to make those plays that he was making in the first half. DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, they're two big-time primetime receivers, really what were not on, a, on the stat sheet the way that you wanted them to. And I'm sure being a fantasy owner of those two players, you left the game a little frustrated because maybe you thought that the, the, the way that things went in the first half, it would be a lot different in the second half and those guys would get some touchdowns. But that shows you that, the coaching staff made the, the adjustments they need to. Obviously, you know, the, the, the talk is still about the about the kick. But once again, it, it just – in every game, no matter how long your, your season lasts, a lot of these games are going to come down to maybe the last play. Think about it this way, George. And the Bengals game versus uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The field, two good field goal kickers could not kick the game winning field goal. Right, he's like, well, that's that's a little unheard of, but that's how week one is in the NFL. Now you turn the page, you move on to week two. Now the biggest thing is, like you said, will the Broncos be able to turn the page and put this behind them and focus on the Houston Texans, or will they continue to look in the rearview mirror? What do you think is going to happen with them from a mental standpoint? Well, I, I liked what I heard from the guys in the locker room after the game. It, it didn't seem like they were too affected by it. Now, you get on social media, and social media isn't real, right? Twitter isn't real. Uh, <laughs> the reactions on there, I mean, you get on there and you think the world is ending. You go in the Broncos locker room, and, and they seem like, okay, we know that we made some some crucial mistakes. And a lot of them, right? They made quite a few of mistakes, and they were still in that football game, right? They had a chance to win the game at the end of the game. And so I think that they're going to bounce back. I think that, you know, in the past, the excuse was, well, it's a young football team. That's no longer an excuse. These guys have been here. Justin Simmons has been here. Kareem Jackson has been here. Russell Wilson has played 
10 years. He's in his 11th year in the league. Garrett Bowles has been around a long time. Bradley Chubb, right? It's a big year for him. I think that these guys understand that it's a long season and that, yeah, it's disappointing the way they played in game one, but also think of all the good things that they did that I don't think we saw in the past, right? In the past, we didn't see this offense move the ball like they did. We didn't see this defense come up with the stops at the end of a game like they needed to. I mean, how many times last year did teams just run out the clock because the Broncos couldn't stop the run, mm -hmm. right? And how many times did we see the Broncos not be able to get down the field and score points or get in position to score points? So I think that that's how they look at this is, hey, we've got a lot of really good things going for us. Yeah, it didn't go our way game one, uh, but there's a lot of positives. And I think that the Broncos know that. Well, yeah, they definitely know that. And that's why, you know, everyone in that locker room, they're still optimistic. And I know Broncos country, everyone is kind of taking a side, either for or against. Yeah, this team is still able to be a playoff team and they have faith in them. And then there's the other half. It's just like, well, we want to fire that thing you hack it right now. Bring out the torches and the pick forks right now. And it's just like, no, calm down. There, there's another game. This is only one game. We don't have a large sample size. Because, once again, we didn't watch him play in the preseason. So let's see what happens after the Texans game. If some of the same things are showing up, yes, now we can really dig into the Broncos. But until then, it is like chill, relax, and kick your feet up because there's still 16 more games to be played. Right. And, Nick, you know this. The division games are the most important, right? Uh, when they play the Raiders, the Chargers, and the Chiefs, they got to win those football games. And, obviously, they've got the Raiders coming up here, I think, in three weeks. So, Nick, thanks so much. Great first podcast, I'd say. Uh, we didn't screw up at all, I don't think. I guess our I guess our producer will let us know. Uh, but uh, thanks for everybody for listening. Make sure you guys like, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we're gonna try to have one every you know three times a week, Monday, Wednesday, Fridays. But we're thinking this was a, a weird week with the Monday night football game. Myself, you can blame me. I was traveling on Tuesday. But uh, until next time, thanks for tuning in to Touchdown Denver.